This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley. There's been a lot going on in New Hampshire this week. The state released new guidance for schools on COVID safety and how to teach about systemic racism and sexism. Attorney General John Formella decided not to pursue charges against a hate group for attacking a state representative online. And COVID cases are on the rise again. Our top story for the week, in fact, how the state is responding to this current phase of the pandemic and the ongoing effects of COVID on New Hampshire's economy. NHPR's health and equity reporter Ali Pham and New Hampshire Bulletin senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons join us now to talk about this and some other top headlines. Good morning to you both. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. You know, the Delta variant is spreading here in New Hampshire, along with the rise in COVID cases. State epidemiologist Dr. Ben Chan told us yesterday here on Morning Edition that the Delta variant is still in the minority of cases in the state, but we're starting to see an increase. Here's a clip from that interview. I think what we're going through right now really is a stress test um, of all of the vaccination work we've collectively done over the last um, seven months. You know, the, the vaccines are still effective against the Delta variant, but no vaccine is going to be 100 percent. Ali, can you, can you explain how the state is tracking that Delta variant and, and give some context behind the current numbers? I can, for sure. So when we talk about um variant tracking that's that's going to be through a a process of a variant testing where basically positive COVID-19 specimen are undergoing kind of another more rigorous type of testing um, that looks at the, the the genome or the DNA so basically it's like hey what kind of strain is this virus and while the state has definitely increased its capacity to do this type of variant testing um, most cases right now are still not getting that only around one in four positive tests are are getting this this variant testing where we're looking at the strain of the virus so what that's translated to numbers wise, in the last two weeks, the state has tested 33 positive specimen for variants and eight have been the Delta variant. So um, that's around 18% of cases. And I think what's kind of perplexing here is when we look at the CDC's estimates for New England, they think the Delta variant is is accounting for around 70% of new cases. And this kind of New Hampshire versus CDC New England discrepancy. It's not entirely clear why that's happening. I mean, you know, regionally there's going to be some variation. So, you know, we're not seeing as much as other states, but there's also some lag time with this testing. And the, the state itself has said that sampling is, you know, not evenly distributed. So, so that could be an issue. And it's just still, you know, we're testing a small number of, of specimen. Yeah, it's an incomplete picture to, at best. Um, Anne-Marie, you wrote this week about how the American Academy of Pediatrics is recommending all students should wear masks in schools come this fall, even those who are fully vaccinated. Uh, New Hampshire is leaving it up to individual districts to to decide whether masks should be mandatory or not. I wonder if you can explain the conflicting messaging out there uh, about whether children should be wearing masks, shouldn't be, especially for those under 12 who aren't eligible for a vaccine yet. It's it's confusing. Uh, the, The state is still sticking with the CDC guidance which is masks for unvaccinated, but not for vaccinated. And you're right, the the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with something so much broader uh, for everyone to have masks over the age of two when schools returned. When the state just this week met with school officials um, in a Zoom meeting, they they still stuck with the CDC advice, told schools to use their best judgment, 
Um, and understandably, it's it's so much is unknown. I think I heard school officials express a lot of concern. You know, how do we look at our local numbers? What qualifies as upping our mask requirements? What um, what do we look for? How do we decide? Where can we get more advice? There's just so much unknown um, that I think the school year is going to open and continue to be sort of confusing and stressful for both administrators and teachers and parents. It's just who who knows where we're going. Yeah, and we're hearing more reports about parents who are pushing back on school systems saying, I don't want my children to have to wear masks. Uh, How are schools handling these conflicting recommendations? How are various school districts doing that? So far, um, it's hard to tell. The schools did have to file what's called a back-to-school plan, and those are on the DOE website for anyone to look at. And it's really a best guess because these were filed, you know, a bit ago. We, as Ali mentioned, the Delta variant is increasing and it's still unclear what the picture is here. So yes, those plans are filed. And in most cases, um, I think they were going to follow the CDC guidelines, which is um, not masks for people who are vaccinated or people um, who are older, but maybe masks for younger populations who cannot be vaccinated yet. But that, I think, is all going to be um, until we see, yes, that's our plan, but it could change. It is Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley. We are recapping this week's news with NHPR's Ali Pham in New Hampshire Bulletins and Marie Timmons. Uh, you know, families in New Hampshire have received their first child tax credit payment about, about a week ago now, and they'll get uh, one a month till uh, the end of the year, one every month, in fact. Allie, I'm wondering what you've heard from parents about how they plan to use that money and and how that might help them coming out of of the pandemic. Yeah, so, I mean, the money definitely means different things to different people. And it's it's also not something all families I've spoken to are actually even aware of. But, you know, what's really notable about this, this tax credit is not that it's totally new or that it's even more money than it used to be, but really that it's available to a lot of lower income families who didn't used to qualify, although there's definitely some concern about this credit reaching them in cases where the IRS might not already have their information. But um, yeah, as you, as you had mentioned, some of the families I've spoken to have really had their um, finances just kind of thrown for a loop by the pandemic. I mean, I'm thinking of this woman named Gabrielle Schuler um, in Hillsborough. She's a, a divorced mom of three. And just in the past year, she's been unemployed, worked as a substitute teacher. Now she's trying to grow her small crafts business. And, and for her, this money was great because she was able to just throw it towards her car payment. Um, and she, she's actually familiar with the tax credit, having had it before. And, and what she said is she also just really likes the new way it's coming to families with half of it in these monthly payments and then half of it later as a lump sum next April. So here's what she had to say on that. I think being able to kind of take advantage of it throughout the year is almost kind of, how do I put this? It's almost like a savings plan. So, yeah, and Anne-Marie, I'm, I'm curious to hear what, what you've been hearing from parents as well. Something very similar. I, I, I have heard the same, that it's, it's that it comes to you automatically, and it is a bit more money and that everyone qualifies, but that it comes when you need it. You know, pe- parents, for example, who want to go back to work but can't afford preschool, now they can pay that bill when it comes in. Because at the end of the year, if you get it as a credit, you know, preschool cannot wait till the end of the year to get paid. So the fact that it's coming uh, when it is, is, is huge and that it's so easy to get. 
um, has also been a real relief because families, as you said, have so much going on. I talked with a mom from Wolfboro, is mom to twins and then a daughter with autism. She had been working part-time, going to school full-time, and just with COVID and having to get her kids to school, she was working as a school aide. She couldn't do that school close for a while, but then she has to get her doctor to lots of appointments. Her car was breaking down. So this money came at the right time to, to get her back to work now. Mm. And Marie, I know you've also reported on how the pandemic has been, you know, exasperating the challenges with hiring healthcare workers. It's always a perennial problem in New Hampshire and the, and the pandemic just made it so much worse. How are hospitals and healthcare facilities coping with that ongoing workforce shortage? I think lots of incentives is what I've seen. Um, mostly there was an, um, an ad for a registered nurse who would commit to three years, Catholic Medical Center, I believe with a $10,000 bonus to do that. And I think that speaks to just how desperate people are to, to get workers. You know, you, it's not one or two people trying to find these the staff. It's across the state. It's mental health workers. It's nurses doctors, you know, across the spectrum. And I, I don't see this, there's been no indication this is going to let up anytime soon. The state did end early the pandemic relief money that was keeping a lot of people afloat, but there's still so many barriers, whether that be, yeah. you know, not getting childcare or not being able to, um, taking care of someone still related to COVID or what have you. There's, right. there's still lots of barriers. Yeah. It is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Ali Pham and New Hampshire Bulletin's Anne-Marie Timmons. Let's turn to some of the other top headlines of this week. Ali, uh, the New Hampshire Attorney General's office said this week it will not pursue charges against members of a white supremacist group who targeted a state representative from Nashua in an online attack. Can, can you tell us more about that? Right. So threats against Representative Manny Espita came last month after he'd noted racist and anti-Semitic graffiti left by a white supremacist group in Nashua. And the uh, the Civil Rights Unit in the New Hampshire Department of Justice, they looked into the incident. Um, and in a letter issued earlier this week, Attorney General John Formella basically said, um, following a, a comprehensive review, that his office found insufficient evidence to criminally charge or, or bring a lawsuit against the group. And Formella said that although the statement was offensive and hateful, there was no evidence of a direct threat. All right. Another top story of, of the week. Uh, the state released long-awaited guidance for public employers and school officials on upholding a new law that prohibits certain teachings about systemic racism and sexism. One concern some employers initially had about that law was how it would affect implicit bias and cultural competency training. Anne-Marie, what did you learn about how this, this might affect employers? Employers, I think, going in were a, a bit less nervous than educators about this. And the guidance for them is very clear that implicit bias training is allowed, as is um, sensitivity training. And if an employee is uncomfortable with the training, that is not enough to trigger a, a valid complaint here. And But at the same time, employees can opt out of these trainings and not be penalized, not fired, not warned, um, or put on probation. So you haven't heard any big concerns you said from employers overall? No, we when we talked to employers before the guidance came out, they felt like they had a pretty good handle on what they could continue to advise around training. And I, in talking with them after, 
the ones we were able to connect with did feel like, okay, we think our training is in with is in line with this. We think we can go ahead. We feel like it's safe to do so. And what are some of the big takeaways for school officials? That is less than less reassuring. Um, I think school officials really wanted specific examples. You can say this, you cannot say that. And the guidance is not that clear. Maybe it couldn't be that clear. Um, but I think this, what we're hearing is, it's both the lesson, can I teach this lesson? But maybe more importantly, how will this lesson be perceived? Because it's pretty easy for a parent, a student to find fault or feel uncomfortable or be offended by a, a lesson and file a complaint. It doesn't take much to file the complaint. The investigative process still remains unclear to me. Um, but I think it's not just what you can teach. It really is going to be that. What do people think I'm teaching? What do people think I'm saying? So much for, for schools to think about as we head into fall. And, and, of course, recapping our top story, talking about what's happening with the current phase of the pandemic here in New Hampshire. I want to ask you both what you're watching for in this next phase, not only the pandemic, but some other big news that might be coming in the, in the weeks ahead. Um, Anne-Marie, let, let's start with you. I want to keep watching this hiring challenge and we keep hearing about a low unemployment rate. There's other ways to assess the not working population. Are there folks out there who have been discouraged and have just given up? Um, are they part time when they want to be full time? So I'm trying to dig into that a little bit more and really understand what the challenges are and maybe what other states are doing or other employers elsewhere are doing to in creative ways. Like I know some are saying apply on TikTok, for example. Yeah. So I'll be looking at that. Okay. And Allie, how about you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely something similar. I think, you know, at a very kind of basic level with COVID cases rising, um, it will be, you know, it's it's unclear right now if that's going to to impact people's desire to just kind of go out and, and feel safe doing some of the things that they've, they've started returning to again. Right. Yeah. Okay. Both of you, thanks so much for joining us here on Morning Edition from NHPR. New Hampshire Bulletin's Anne-Marie Timmons and NHPR's Ali Pham. You can find all of their reporting, by the way, at nhpr.org and newhampshirebulletin.com. And, of course, listen to Morning Edition next Friday to hear us recap some of the big news of the week. I'm Rick Anley. You're listening to Morning Edition from NHPR.